Hello, and welcome back to the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm Jonathan, editor of Concrete Contractor Magazine. In today's episode, we talk with Connell O'Rean, Managing Director for Ecosem Materials. He and the Ecosem company are featured in a documentary called Solving for Zero, which is inspired by the best-selling book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster by Bill Gates. His segment allows Ecosem to explain ground-granulated blast furnace slag, or GGBS or GGBFS, in concrete construction. Those interested can find the documentary on Wondrium.com, which also hosts a 10-part companion educational series covering subjects like climate research, clean energy, low-carbon cement, which is lesson four, by the way, agriculture, and more. Connor joined me via video chat in France. So join me as I ask him as many questions as I can think of about the use of slag in cement. So, Connor, uh, what has been your experience with concrete? Hi, Jonathan. Well, my experience with concrete has been uh, since I joined Ecosem. So before that, I had little or no uh, knowledge about uh, about concrete. Uh, when people used to ask me what my dad did when I was at school, I used to say he made bricks. So I, I knew very little about the construction industry and very little about concrete. That has evolved uh, substantially uh, since working at uh, since I started working at, at Ecosem, and uh, I suppose I uh, learned very quickly. So from our plant, uh, I wanted to, to understand better um, how the concrete world works. So I worked in various uh, concrete uh, companies, plant uh, companies, to get an idea of, of how things worked. Uh, crushed cubes, which, uh, as you probably know, is a lot more. Um, sounds a lot more exciting than it is. <laughs> I was very excited initially. I thought, we're going to crush some cubes. This sounds amazing. Let's go. And um, it quickly uh, quickly uh, disappeared, the excitement. Well, it's probably a lot more exciting than, you know, uh, making bricks. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you are featured in the, uh, the documentary Solving for Zero. Um, and early in the, the movie, they have you driving around and pointing out um, concrete, and it's 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 pretty uh, it's an interesting moment because you're driving around like there's concrete there, there's concrete there. You're driving yeah. on concrete probably, um, and it's all little things that we just tend to not think about, even though you know our concrete contractors and, and everybody in construction they're all like, oh yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, the phrase I, I, I use in the documentary is, is uh, ubiquitous to the point of anonymity. And that's to say that it's everywhere and it's so present and so in your face that people, it's like they can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. It's, uh, it's consistently present and it's, it's what our societies are built on. I mean, people uh, wake up in a concrete house, uh, walk down, take a concrete metro system to their concrete office, uh, walking along a concrete uh, pathway, uh, up some concrete steps. It's it's everywhere. It brings our it brings our clean water to our houses. It takes our dirty water away from our houses. It's uh, it's really uh, uh, um, as I said, ubiquitous material, and uh, and people uh, don't notice it. Uh, and 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 it is after water the most consumed substance in the world. Yeah, it's hard to think about. Um, it, it's you go okay, it's water, but then there's concrete in second place, and then you start thinking of like oh. It's completely encased the globe. Yeah. If you really think about it, we're placing, what is it, a New York amount of concrete every single month. And eventually, yeah. 
And actually, that's how uh, that's how we're introduced in uh, Wondrium's uh, documentary, uh, Solving for Zero, is like literally this is the scale of the problem. There's a New York City built every month. I mean, for every person on Earth, there's a cubic meter of concrete of, let's say, two and a half tons. I'm talking like European uh, tons. I don't know if it's in America. But like a, a huge amount of concrete poured uh, for every person on Earth, two and a half tons. It's sure. everywhere. And I think... Um, the, 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 the documentary that the, the reason we're, we're having this chat today to, to kind of to talk about this documentary and the way that it frames uh, the subject, that is to say, so it starts off, so this is a huge, huge uh, consumed product. It's one of the most, uh, as I said, after water, the most consumed products in the world. And it's, the concrete itself is not that damaging for the, for the environment. But the cement that makes all of the parts of the concrete glue together uh, is responsible for 8% of global CO2 emissions. So that's almost give or take for every uh, 10 tons produced on Earth, one of them is produced by the cement industry. Um, so that is a, a huge problem and one that, that has to be uh, has to be addressed. And, uh, and our company, Ecosem, um, uh, amongst many others in the, in the industry, uh, are trying to, to address this problem, not by changing concrete as such, uh, because we want to maintain, uh, we want to use the existing infrastructure that already exists. So all of the concrete plants, all of the concrete trucks, all of the ways of working, or concrete formwork, all of these things need to need to remain the same in order for the transition to be as quickly as possible. So we're focusing on transforming the cement aspect of the concrete. And um, we've been doing this for, for over 20 years in Europe, uh, using uh, ground granulated blast furnace slag, which is a, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but basically, it, what you get left over when you make uh, you make iron. So the iron then goes on to make steel. So it's a byproduct of the production of steel. So in America, uh, in the US, they call it GGBFS, so ground granulated blast furnace slag. So um, I, in, in Europe, we call it GGBS. So I apologize for any confusion if I uh, if I get the two terms mixed up uh, during this uh, during this chat. Um, but we've used that. Uh, so taking this this byproduct from one industry. And taking it to the cement industry, so it replaces the production of traditional cement. And the traditional cement is, is limestone and shale, which is burnt to 1400 degrees. And that process, uh, first of all, you need the temperature. Again, that's degrees Celsius. I yeah. don't know what that is in, in Fahrenheit. But so there's a huge amount of energy required to get to that temperature. Then whilst the, 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 the limestone is being burnt, the, the CO2 contained in the limestone is let out uh, into the atmosphere. And two thirds of it is contained in the limestone and, and gets released. One third of it is from the energy uh, needed to generate that heat. So even if we solve the, 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 the energy problem, which is the, how do we, if we heat it to that, so those temperatures with using no, um, without emitting any CO2, there's still that two thirds that we can't get rid of. And then once they've burned the limestone in the shell, that's the phase called clinker, which is kind of a round granular material. And that clink again gets ground into cement. And cement can contain, um, it depends on the different standards in the different countries that you're in, but it contains kind of, let's say, 90% clinker. Okay. Um, 90, probably a bit more than 90% clinker. So the idea is how do we get rid of the clinker, uh, the, the, the polluting part of that material, whilst maintaining all of the properties of uh, cement and the properties that cement brings to concrete. So. We all know like concrete is the perfect building material. It can take any shape. Um, it's cheap to make. It can be always made with locally sourced materials. 
Um, it's uh, it's resistant, it's durable, it's strong. You can build tunnels out of it. You can build skyscrapers. You can build bridges. I mean, it, it, it can do everything, as well as building people's houses and, and, and your sidewalks and stuff like that. So uh, the idea or our idea, the way we want to, to try and solve this problem is to not stop using concrete, but to change the ingredients and change the makeup of concrete whilst maintaining its properties that make it such a popular building material without emitting the CO2. And um, so we've done that by, by the first stage was to use uh, uh, GGBFS in America to replace the production of cement. Now, um, one of the things is, is there enough uh, GGBFS in the world to replace uh, all of the cement? And the answer is no. You, you can only replace about 10%. Um, if all of the GGBFS in the world was used to replace clinker in cement, then we'd only reduce the, the cement production by 10%. And that's not enough. The IPCC report um, tells us that we need to reduce our CO2 emissions by 50% by the end of this decade in order to avoid catastrophic uh, global warming, climate change and global warming. So in order to do that, uh, we can't do it just with, with GGBFS. That'll only get us 10% of the way. So we have to, we have um, invented a technology, um, which is the future. This technology is, is still in uh, development. So it's, it's, uh, it's now going into the industrial testing phase. Um, we developed this technology in partnership with uh, a university in, uh, in France, which is the third biggest university, third best university in, in, um, in Europe and 14th in the world, I think, called ENS Paris Seclet. Um, and our own innovation team. So we have, we, we're, and, and our whole company, we're only 175 people, uh, but 25 people are directly employed in innovation. So finding solutions to get rid of clinker and to replace it by other materials that maintain the properties of concrete whilst reducing the, the carbon footprint. And in fact, in Wondrium's um, uh, Solving for Zero, during the documentary, we actually visit the, the, the two lab, the lab that we, that we created this, um, this technology in. And you can actually see the two guys, well, one girl and one guy who, uh, um, uh, who, who were the people that kind of came up with this, this idea and, and perfected it. All of that's in the, in the, in the documentary. Um, so with this technology, if this technology was employed by the whole of the cement industry on a global scale, we'd be able to reduce the, the cement industry's emissions by 50% on a global scale. So that is what needs to be done according to the IPCC. Now, there's still the other 50% to do, and that we don't have a solution for yet. Uh, but uh, we're hoping that by 2030, there will be other solutions that will come online, like carbon capture and storage, which will allow us to evade the other 50% that we can't do. But carbon capture and storage is what the, the traditional cement industry is relying on at the moment. Mm -hmm. And we think that whilst it's a technology and, and whilst, it, whilst it, it works, it's hugely expensive and it won't work for every cement plant. So our idea is get the CO2 to the lowest possible point, and then the carbon capture and storage can be much more efficient because it only has to be 50% of the work uh, that it would have to, that it would have had to do had our technology not been employed. Sure. The the slag that you're using in the cement is there um, any chance that we're gonna like run out of that? I mean, if the entire cement industry starts using slag, then we're going to be all like, oh, there's a shortage of slag suddenly. Yeah, that's a very good question. And again, it's it's one that we, we have focused upon because uh, slag technology requires uh, that steel is made in the same way. 
And steel is a very carbon intensive um, industry as well, which is also mentioned in, in Bundrum's um, Solving for Zero documentary and in Bill Gates's book, which inspired the, uh, the documentary. And so that industry will be, will evolve and uh, there will be different byproducts. So we're already looking at different industries and different byproducts and seeing how can we transform these materials so that they take on cementitious properties and then we can use them to replace traditional cement. So there's a host of developments and the, the, one of the, the best things about a technology is that it doesn't rely on GGBFS. So we can use uh, a lot of other materials. And again, um, uh, so the cement industry is very local. So cement doesn't travel that well because, because of the cost of, of travel. Same with concrete. Um, yeah. So you want, to, you want to be able to use local materials as much as possible. Uh, again, so to avoid the CO2 costs of bringing materials from far away into, into your cement plant. So this technology, the, the advantage that it brings is that it enables you to use a whole host of different uh, materials, not just GDBS. You still need a little bit of cement, which is um, uh, which we haven't managed to get out of the uh, uh, we haven't managed to get out of it uh, out of the product yet, which is not a bad thing. But, like it's a very good uh, material, and um, uh, yeah, so the, so the, the, to answer your question is that this is a, a product that does not necessarily need GDBS. It can work with other materials. Okay. All right. A very long way around answering that question. <laughs> I understand um, that the the documentary points out two different projects: the um, the Paris infrastructure project. I believe it's still happening. It sounds like it's still yeah. happening. Um, and the 2024 Olympic Village construction. Um, okay. Can you tell me about those projects and how Ecosem's being used there? And that's one of the coolest parts of the of the documentary, the the Zero documentary, because they, they we, we you, you get to kind of go into the tunnels. So this this uh, the metro system that they're building, the extension of the metro system is literally going to double the size of the existing metro system. I think I, let me pause you here. I think it's interesting to point out for the listeners that obviously can't see the picture here until they watch the documentary um, mm -hmm. that it looks like normal concrete. This is just it's a gray material. It looks like standard concrete, but with all of the environmental benefits that you mentioned. So, yeah, and there's, there's other advantages. So, so traditionally, cement, depending on depending on the quarry, uh, cement will be kind of a, a dark uh, gray color, um, whereas GGBS is a bright white color. So, the the more GGBS you use, GGBFS, sorry, the more GGBFS you use to replace the cement, the whiter and the brighter uh, the the the, the color of the concrete you get. So it doesn't, we, before anyone cared about the environment, I mean, and I say that uh, a little bit of an exaggeration, but before we, we, we never used to sell uh, GDS, uh, our product on its environmental merits. We used to tell people about it, but no one would buy it because it was environmentally friendly. They'd buy it because it was technically superior. So it gives you chloride resistance, sulfate resistance. It gives you increased strength over time. Uh, it gives you resistance to, to abrasion, all sorts of qualities. Everything you want, you, you want you, when you buy concrete, you want it to be strong and you want it to last a long time. Our product makes it stronger and last longer. And the other thing that, uh, and if you watch now, like all um, all modern uh, like action films and stuff like that, like all of the the, the baddies, all the goodies are always when these fair face concrete uh, installations where the concrete's like a very kind of a bright uh, gray, and okay. that's the color that you get by using GDBS. So we used to sell this a lot to architects 
because they want to specify that a lot of people can't afford white cement. But the next best step is to put a huge amount of GGDFS in there, and there you get your much whiter, brighter color. Um, and the other thing is that it's it's uh, it gives you a much uh, smoother surface compared to traditional cement. And that means that that, uh, that sticks to it less than it would with uh, traditional, with concrete made with traditional cement. Uh, and also it's easier to clean. Wow. And that's just going to be buried underneath Paris, um, sending know, metros uh, <laughs> around and shuttling people around, right? But in, in, uh, so under, underground concrete has, has a big challenge because uh, first of all, you have to analyze what's in, the, what's in the soil. So the soil can be very aggressive to concrete. And there are ways that you can protect the concrete, um, like you can put a film on it, you can put uh, kind of plastic uh, uh, things on it, resin, whatever. But that costs a huge amount of money. So by using GDBS, it impermeabilizes the concrete. So, the, so whatever attacks the concrete or attacks the steel reinforcement can't get in to do the damage. And that's one of the biggest reasons it's being used in. But the, the, the company uh, originally started specifying it for its technical reasons. And then we were able to then further talk to them about the environmental uh, side of things. And actually what they did is they went over and above what the concrete standard allows in order to use more of it. So they had enough for the technical performance, but now they wanted to go over and above that to get a better environmental performance. So that's the case for the Grand Paris. So we're supplying a lot of the different metro lines and, and hopefully the people who, who visit Paris will be able to look out the window and behind all the wires and the ducting and all that kind of stuff, they'll see the really bright, nice concrete behind all of that. But the stations, you'll see there, the, a lot of the stations, we've, we've seen what they're going to look like in artist impressions, and there's a lot of fair-faced concrete in there. So you will be, people will be able to get to see that, the concrete. In the case of the Athletes Village, uh, this is one of our, one of our innovations. So, uh, we have the, the product that I talked about earlier, which can can uh, reduce the the, the, the uh, cement industry's um, emissions by fifty percent on a global scale. But that's not the only thing that we do. We do a lot of different. Um, uh, we do a lot of bespoke products for bespoke uh, infrastructural projects. So in this case, uh, we worked with Vasi, uh, which is a one of the biggest uh, civil engineering civil engineering contractors in the world, and very very strong on, on concrete. So we were able to work with them and we developed this product called DecoSamp Ultra because it's ultra low carbon. We didn't, we didn't pay anybody to help us come up with that name. We came up with it all by ourselves. <laughs> and um, so that uses, it gets rid of cement or traditional clinker, which I was talking about earlier, the, the, the polluting ingredient of cement. We got rid of that completely. And so we've got a lot of GGBS and another things that we call activators. So uh, things that, that kind of set off the chemical process that makes it from a turn from a liquid into a, into a solid. And we first tested that in Vassy's headquarters, new, new headquarters in, uh, to the west of Paris. Um, and we're now, uh, using it on, on, on kind of on the scale of the athletes village and, and a host of other projects, uh, around the place. And the, the advantage here is that, and again, sorry, the advantage is extremely ultra low CO2, uh, cement and therefore ultra low CO2 concrete because the concrete doesn't really add a huge amount of CO2 to the, to the process. So it's really the cement that you have to look at. And um, that uh, we were able to prove that it was such a low carbon footprint compared to traditional cement that they actually uh, sponsored. We, we won a kind of a sponsorship thing to, to be able to, to put this product in um, in the athletes' village and another. And, and we're actually using it on the on some of the tunnel segments that they got by on the line 18 as well. Cool. Is it would it be okay to ask? Um 
like how does it compare price wise to like a traditional concrete cement traditional cement um, it, well it, it depends on the technology so um it's uh our traditional technology is we say it's cost neutral um so the uh it, it, do, it doesn't make any difference where you put normal cement or you, you replace it with DGBFS. It's, it's cost neutral now that is changing because of the value uh, and the cost put on co2 so the value on co2 reduction and the cost put on co2 so if you take the example of europe uh, we have the environmental trading scheme in place and that means that every time you produce a ton of CO2, I haven't checked what the latest cost for a ton of CO2 is, but it, it's, it's been up as far as like 80, 90 euros a ton. So every time you produce a ton of CO2, you have to buy a carbon credit or pay a fine of, of, of 90 euros, the cost of a, of a carbon credit. And yeah. by, by using GGBS, you don't produce that CO2, but you still produce the same amount of cement. So you get a, you get a credit that you can then sell. So this product is now hugely valuable to the cement industry. And, and it's been driving up the, 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 the cost and the value of this product. But ultimately, and as you know yourself, like the cost of concrete in a structure, by the, by the time you put everything else in, is, is, is so small, it doesn't really make sense. Does it matter or does it change on working with the material as far as the contractor actually placing it as a foundation or... Um, using it in a project at all? I mean, concrete made with traditional cement is very, very forgiving. Um, but uh, with the GGBRS, you just have to pay attention to to the normal rules of placing concrete. Um, so you want to make sure it's properly cured. You want to make sure it's properly... Just the same way as you'd use normal concrete. The optimism in your voice is palpable. Um, you, you're, you sound excited about this. and you. One of the reasons I'm so confident is that... So, one of the one of the reasons that we managed to 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 create this technology, this new technology, is that we hired uh, young uh, people uh, who are like their doctors and stuff like that, PhD. But they're, they're just uh, either, so we sponsored them through their PhDs, and now they've joined us in the company. And their minds haven't been polluted by a career in the cement industry that says, "Don't look at that; that won't work. Don't look at this; that won't work." Uh, open. So we've allowed them to to open their minds and to go out and, and to research things. And they'd come up with some unbelievably amazing ideas. Now, amazing ideas when they're in the lab are amazing ideas in the lab. <laughs> it's not until you see that um, you see that that step into the real world and you see it working in the real world that you can be sure that you have something that works. We have a panel of scientists across the globe uh, that we have asked to look at uh, the results and asked. We've asked some of the biggest concrete companies in the world. We've asked some of the biggest cement companies in the world. We've shown them what we've done. We say, "What do you What do you think?" And every single person says, "Right, this is this is something to this is something to be to be interested about." And that's why I'm so confident. It's one It's one thing me saying that uh, I think it's great, and you should all go out and use it. Uh, and let's do this as soon as possible. But we have independent uh, validation and verification from from independent sources that have looked at what we've done and have and have come and said. Uh, this is this works, and that that feeds my confidence. I'd say I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person anyway, but the uh, the, uh, the the confidence that I'm getting, and also like if you look at the the, the example, when's the last time a documentary company has done a documentary about concrete or cement? And you, you like in the documentary, I mentioned um, that uh, it's not the first thing that you think about when you think about fun. Because if yep. you think I don't know what it, the, the the image might be slightly different in the stage, but here it's kind of like. 
oh, it's grey, it's boring, it's dull, it's concrete, it's cement. Do you know what I mean? But I like, think it depends on who you talk to. Um, I know it depends on who you talk to. Yeah, so, like in a, a regular person, it's going to be grey, it's, it's cement. Yeah. And then, oh, they're going to confuse cement with concrete, which is... Exactly. Don't get me started. Oh my God. But, um, <laughs> but then you start talking to the actual concrete contractors and people who, you know, really work with it. And it's the most exciting material in the world. Um, exactly. Judging exactly. From- and it's, it's an art. Making concrete is an art. We've got some people that work, uh, oh, yeah. that work for us, right? And so I, I, I'll, so I'll be with uh, one of our quality guys and uh, a quality people and they'll, they'll receive a phone call and they'll just go like, yeah, yeah. You want to probably take out a bit of sand. Okay, cool. Cheers. And do you know what I mean? Like it's just by hearing the the rattle of the of the the pan, they can tell you what's wrong with the the mix. It's absolutely amazing. And the reason, like this is, uh, but but like to the to the to the layperson, uh, they don't they don't care. Um, and but like the reason, like uh, one room's interested in it, uh, and uh, they they've done this solely for a zero documentary. And the reason that Bill Gates dedicates a chapter to the to, to cement in his in his book is because um, the problem is immense, and we are a very small company in a very small corner of the world, but we have the potential to reduce the carbon emissions of the hardest one of the hardest to abate sectors in the world by fifty percent by the end of this decade. If our technology is employed. Yeah. Do you think that we're actually going to be able to get those goals? Because uh, it's, I think the goal is 50% of emissions re- reduced by 2030 and then net zero by 2050. I think, uh, I think the, the cement industry is in a very strong position to be able to do that because of the technologies that, that come from, from what we've developed on their own. Um, or the published plans that, that, that we've seen and that everybody can go and see that, that it's, it's, as I said, it's a very difficult to evade sector. So they yeah. need technology, the introduction of technologies such as ours to solve this. Now that gets us to 2030. Uh, now it's going to be a huge amount of work. Um, but we, we don't have to. That's one of the advantages of, of the way we want to, 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 um, to, to spread the use of this technology is that we don't necessarily want to do it ourselves. If someone wants to come up and ask us, like, right, how do you do it? We'll, we'll sell them a license in order so that they can go back to their cement plant and use this technology in their cement plant, wherever that may be in the world. Um, but uh, then that, so that gets us, once this technology is used, and the thing is that it, it, there's not that much to do in a cement, plant, a cement plant to be able to introduce this technology. We've, we've developed it with in mind that we need to use the infrastructure that's already in place. So there's uh, some some technical developments that have to be done, but really most cement plants can integrate this very cheaply, uh, massively cheaply when you compare it to the investment needed for carbon capture and storage, for example. I mean, it doesn't even compare. We're talking on a scales of millions versus tens and hundreds of millions. Um, and then the um, the uh, the other thing is then what do we do post 2030? So we have the potential to reduce the CO2 emissions by 50%. Then carbon capture and storage comes in. And carbon capture and storage comes in much more efficiently because it has much less work to do. And we can, um, uh, because the, one of the other things is what you do with, with the carbon once it's captured and stored. I mean, once it's captured, you have to store it somewhere. And uh, those places, so you can use like empty um, gas wells and empty uh, petrol wells and, and stuff like that. So um, CCS isn't perfect or it will not suit every cement plant. Our technology will. 
Um, so that the idea is that you put our technology everywhere and put CCS in the in the plants where um, uh, where the, where it's appropriate, and that gets us pretty much to zero. Wow. Yeah, you mentioned that um, using slag in the cement kind of works when you have the availability where it's uh, where it works. Um, how have you solved that infrastructure problem? Have you been able to like ship it out someplace to where it might not be re so readily available? Well, there's a good example of that. So there's no steel industry in Ireland, for example. Okay. Um, so they, they, but we, we were able through using very efficient logistics, uh, so shipping, uh, we're able to, to bring in the raw material to our plant in, in Dublin. And it's perfect as well because our plant is in Dublin Port and that's in the center of Dublin City. So we're right in the middle of the, the biggest market in Ireland. And then, uh, and then we can um, truck it out to, to other parts in Ireland that, that need it. And in fact, um, for, uh, for your concrete uh, kind of listeners, GDBS, GDBFS is also ideal for the agricultural industry because it makes the concrete much more, uh, much more durable uh, and much more resistance to all sorts of stuff that, that, that reduce the, 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 the uh, durability of concrete on a, on a farm or in an agricultural context. So there's the abrasion, who's the vendors, uh, the, um, the other things that the animals produce, manure and stuff like that, which can kind of burn through the concrete. And so it basically, it's, it's, it's an ideal uh, product for that, uh, for that environment. It's great that you brought up uh, Ireland and it, how it started. Uh, all there. And from what I'm understanding, your family has been addressing the CO2 impact in concrete uh, for well over 20 years, uh, maybe farther, with your father, uh, Donald. He founded uh, Ecosem Materials back um, in early 2000s. Can, what can you tell me about that? Um, so uh, this is in a context where um, I suppose there was a growing recognition of the needs to be environmentally friendly and to reduce CO2 emissions. Um, and that kind of grew and grew and grew until 2006, 2007, when the world's economy fell apart and people no longer cared about the environment. They just cared about having a roof over their heads and saving their businesses. And, 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 and so the, the CO2 took a back foot. Everything was about cost. And then we've had to gradually rebuild that and rebuild that. And the whole industry's had to rebuild uh, to the place we're in now, which is, I suppose, extremely precarious when you look at the um, when you look at the, the the context that we're in in the moment with the with the with the, with the war in, in the invasion of, of Ukraine. Um, but um, it's now climate change and the importance of addressing climate change is much more deeply entrenched in people's minds and in policies and in governments. So I think. There's a, it's a much better context now than when my dad started the business. Sure. Um, and, and I think that now uh, everybody's waking up to the fact that something needs to be done. And uh, the, 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 there aren't many solutions like ours. That's to say that solutions that don't cost uh, twice as much as the original solution, they don't work half as good. Like this is better performance. Uh, from a cost point of view, it'll be uh, like it, it, it's, it, it's the... Um, when you price CO2 into, into any job, this will be competitive on the price uh, basis. It's what kind of, 
It, it doesn't mean it doesn't require like if you take cars, for example, right? In order to change from petrol cars to electric cars, it requires like not a change in infrastructure in, in terms of roads, but like all of gas stations have to be turned into electric charging stations. Mining oil is now mining whatever you need for batteries for electric cars and stuff like yeah. that. So it's uh, like that requires a huge change, whereas this requires a, a relatively minor change in terms of the production, virtually no change in terms of the infrastructure, and it can be applied and implemented immediately. Does it require any change of equipment at all? It requires. Um, so in, in terms of the the um, the uh, this new product will require uh, slightly better mixing pans um, and less water. So that's another environmental advantage that we have there. So it takes uh, it takes less water than traditional uh, uh, concrete would use. Less water, uh, like how much less water? Um, I would have to talk to my innovation team to answer that question. Uh, I, if I if I took a guess at it now, I'd, I'd say something wrong. So I prefer to. Sure, sure, sure. But if if you reduce the the water in a mix, I'm assuming that's going to affect the slump. I don't. Do you guys deal with slump over there? I'm, yeah. So I'm this is this is again. This is a very good question. So this is what we. This is the key development. So by putting less water, how do you make sure that the cement that you're using, or that so our new cement goes around to all the elements of the concrete? How do mm -hmm. we ensure that it flows properly? How do it, which is defined by the sun? So how do we get all of the policies that that current concrete has, which people do not want to lose? Like that's why people love using concrete because it's. It flows perfectly, or it slows. It flows very well. So what we've done—that's the, the one of the technological developments that we've done. So using less water, but keeping that homogeneous mix and getting the flow and getting all of those elements the same as traditional concrete. I think that's one of my favorite aspects of concrete. Is it's so it can be predictable, and yet chaos at the exact same time. You anticipate what it's going to be, and then. You've, there's so many different variables that could just behave on its own. One of my favorite things about concrete is the smell. The smell of fresh concrete. Man. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's uh, you, you know when you're in a concrete plant, you know what I mean? You get that that little smell. And it kind of smells, I don't know how to describe it, but I, it's one of my one of my favorite things about concrete. It's, unmist it's unmistakable and it's not uh, it's not a negative smell. It's a, it's a nice uh, it's a nice smell. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What's the what's but your least favorite aspect of concrete then? Rubbish concrete that's been that's been made with no care and, and adds to the negative image of our of our industry. Sure. Is this white color affect like the thermal mass um, performance? Yeah, and it's uh, not particularly but so using that's another advantage. You keep on like uh, setting me up and I'm gonna I'm gonna score another goal. <laughs> so one of the other advantages of using our of our product is that it lowers the, the thermal mass of concrete. So when you pour large uh, pours of, of concrete, um, like the Hoover Dam, for example, they have to put cold water pipes through the dam to take away the heat because the, the concrete the, at the core, like let's say you, you pour a big uh, thing of concrete, at the core, it's very, very hot. So it sets very, very quickly. And as it goes out, it, it sets slower and slower. So that can cause differences of setting within the, the mass of concrete, and that can lead to micro-cracking, which reduces the, the overall durability of the concrete. What our product does is reduce the overall heat, so it, it gets harder at a much more uh, homogeneous uh, speed, a much more equal speed throughout the concrete. And that, again, increases the durability. So actually, one of the, um, 
One of the, the other um, people featured in the documentary Solving for Zero is a, um, is a fusion reactor, a, a people who are going to create energy from fusion. And we haven't worked directly with them, but we've worked with another company that does fusion. And they had to pour a seismic isolation pit, which is um, uh, so in case there's earthquakes that the reactor uh, isn't in the earthquake zone, that it's kind of protected by this, this concrete slab, which is then put on kind of suspensions and that protects the, the reactor from, from earthquakes. And the reason they specified us there wasn't from the environmental uh, footprint point of view, it was to reduce the heat of vibration of the concrete and to make sure there was no micro stressing or micro cracking that would lead to reduction in the durability. If you wouldn't mind, could we go back to the, um, the, the Paris extension project and tell, tell me a little bit more about that and the construction? Yes, so um, it's, a, it's a project that will double uh, the size of the current metro system in Paris. So if you, current, uh, if you picture the current uh, metro system, uh, which is like underground trains, underground and overground trains that bring people in and out of Paris uh, to avoid using uh, cars and stuff like that. But the problem with the, the system in Paris is that it goes from one side of Paris, all of the lines go from one side of Paris to the other side of Paris. So if you want to go kind of uh, east, uh, from where you are, you have to go all the way into Paris and all the way back out of Paris on a different line uh, to get to somewhere that may be just 30 kilometers to your east. You know what I mean? Okay. And um, so what this thing is, is is creating a kind of a circular lines around Paris, connecting the existing metro, and that will allow people to travel in a much more efficient way around uh, around Paris. So at its heart, this is uh, a, a climate change uh, or, or a, a reduction of CO2 emission project because it's trying to take as many cars off the road as possible, trucks and this and the other, using um, uh, highly efficient uh, electrical energy to drive these trains. Um, so uh, that's, I, I mean, that's the, the project in a nutshell. So we're involved in a number of that. We have a number of different uh, of our innovation products that are in there. So one of the things that they'll find when the, these tunnel boring machines are going along is that they come to these big empty premises that may be ancient quarries or sometimes graveyards and shit. So they um, they have to fill those holes with with very highly fluid concrete because you want it to go into all the little gaps. Uh, so they have to have a very highly fluid mix. So we use uh, the, the the technical word for it in um, or the technical definition of this type of cement is a C3C, uh, which is a uh, a product again that we make pretty much bespoke for the for the for the, the Grand Paris uh, um, Paris extension. Then we use our standard product that we use in kind of the standard uh, concrete. Then we have our Ecosam Ultra product named because of its ultra low CO two properties. Uh, and then uh, what else do we put in there? <laughs> um, and that's all I can think of at the top of my head. But we, we work very closely with the, the Société du Grand Paris SGP. Again, the president of this uh, speaks uh, on speaks to the to the cameras in, in the Solving for Zero documentary. And uh, and he does a much better job of explaining the uh, the Grand Paris project than I just did. Sure. Um, but um, they are very proactive in in kind of sponsoring new technologies. Because when you when you develop a new technology, the hardest thing to do is to get past the existing standards uh, that you that you and, and the, the existing standards are written by the incumbents uh, and and rely on kind of an existing. If you're doing something completely new, you have to operate outside those standards. But then, in order for it to be used in a, in a big project, you have to somehow get it back into get it uh, um, 
they're insured and, and standardized as well. And the Gombay project um, kind of sponsor innovation technologies and allow them to be used on an industrial scale before they've completed the full thing. So we know that they've done, um, we know that they work, but working isn't enough to get through the standards. You have to jump through hoops for another three years before it's uh, before it's fully satisfied, depending on the country that you're in. Um, so they have been active in, in allowing the development uh, and use of new technologies, new low carbon technologies to reduce the embodied uh, CO2 of the the, um, the building of that infrastructure project as much as possible. The the documentary is based on Bill Gates' book. Uh, have, has Bill Gates visited the project site? Have you have you met him at all? I, I've, I've never met uh, Mr. Gates. Uh, Mr. Bill Gates has a, um, a one of the funds that he created is called Breakthrough Energy Ventures. And uh, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, um, it's it's Bill Gates and a number of other uh, philanthropists, uh, famous uh, wealthy people who decided to, to give back. Um, and this uh, this uh, investment fund, BEV, have recently become a shareholder in our company um, and uh, and are helping to, to develop the technologies that um, that we uh, that we make. Another man. Sure. He's, he's in the documentary, though. He's he's the kind of the the person that guides you through all the different uh, elements of the of the documentary. Other than uh, plants using um, a cement uh, mix such as yours, um, what have you seen concrete contractors doing in response to trying to be uh, or ad- address this net zero goal? Um, I. There's there's a there's been a huge uh, response uh, from the industry, uh, from the concrete industry, um, and and I can only really speak to the markets in which we're present and that I know. Um, but um, because the other thing to, to note is that concrete, once it's poured, immediately stops absorbing CO two. Um, so it, there's 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 that element of it. Then there's there's other technologies and, and other people present in the market that, that have ideas and that have technologies that are that are helpful in, in reducing CO two. Um, I'm obviously biased in the fact that I obviously think ours is the best and has the most uh, has the most potential. Um, but there's plenty of space for everyone, and we need as many people as possible to be active in this sector to achieve what we want to achieve. And the fact that the concrete industry has responded so positively to the challenge, I think, is a big plus uh, for us, and it's uh, it's good to see, and it's good to see it being taken seriously uh, by an industry that stereotypically. Uh, wouldn't have that image of being environmentally conscious and, and environment. But the, the thing with concrete is that it's it's um, its durability by its nature makes it an environmentally friendly material. If you don't have to knock something down and build it again, it's inherently sustainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, in the documentary, they mentioned the Parthenon in Rome, which was built a long time ago. I can't remember exactly how many years, but like, um, I consider all of our time ago. Well, it's still it's, standing, uh, is the point. Yeah, and it's still to this day the largest freestanding concrete structure in the world. There's nothing that supports that that dome. It's self-supporting, and to this day, it's the, the largest one in the world. That's crazy. Do you think that's that carbon sink, that carbon dioxide reabsorption, is still happening? Um, I. Uh, I, I think it's a fraction of, of what's missing during the, the during the but every little helps. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, and uh, and then that's another thing which is which is very positive about uh, concrete is the fact that once concrete's reached its end of life, 
it can be broken up and used as aggregate or recycled. There's a, there's a host of things that you can do with the material, again, to, to reduce its, its environmental impact and to reduce the amount of natural resources being used and to recycle rather than recycle or upcycle rather than just consume uh, fresh stuff. Yeah. It doesn't help that it, it, it doesn't hurt to if the concrete itself was a little bit more decorative in the first place too. So, you know, a nice whiter color than the traditional gray that's going to be buried underground someplace. Architecturally speaking, probably a little yeah. bit more pleasant to the eye. Uh, and um, it's, it's uh, as I said, like the, uh, the, the ideas of concrete uh, in recent years have really come to the, to the forefront because it's done when it's poured properly with the right ingredients and mixed to it correctly, it's a beautiful material. With that wonderful thought, I'll leave it right there. I'd like to thank Connor again for taking the time to talk with us. Again, anyone interested can find the documentary Solving for Zero on Wondrium.com. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M.com. It's a subscription-based streaming platform, but they do offer a free two-week trial period. I'll include a link in the description on fordconstructionpros.com. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and please feel free to share. Until next time, stay safe out there.